0: Hello and welcome to Scottish Independence Podcasts. This is the press conference that the First Minister held when the results of the Supreme Court case were announced.
1: Um, As you may have heard uh, earlier this morning, the Supreme Court delivered its judgment on the Lord Advocate's reference, seeking clarity on whether or not. The Scotland Act 1998 allows the Scottish Parliament to legislate for a referendum on independence. First of all, while I am obviously very disappointed by it, I do respect and accept the judgment of the court. In securing Scotland's independence, we will always be guided by a commitment to democracy and respect for the rule of law. That is a principle, an important principle, but of course it also reflects a practical reality. The route we take must be lawful and democratic for independence to be achieved. And as is becoming clearer by the day, achieving independence is not now just desirable, it is essential if Scotland is to escape the disaster of Brexit, The damage of policies imposed by governments we do not vote for and the low growth high inequality economic model that is holding us back however we must be clear today that the supreme court does not make the law it interprets and applies the law if the devolution settlement in the scotland act is inconsistent with any reasonable notion of scottish democracy as now seems to be the case. That is the fault of Westminster lawmakers, not the justices of the Supreme Court. In addressing the implications of today's ruling, it's also important to be mindful of what the court was not asked to decide and therefore what the ruling does not tell us. The court was not asked to decide if there is a democratic mandate for a referendum, The mandate and the parliamentary majority for a referendum is quite simply undeniable. Nor was the court asked if Scotland should be independent. Only the Scottish people can be the judge of that. And it was not asked if there is any democratic means by which Scotland can choose independence. The question the court was asked to decide, indeed the only question the court could reasonably answer, was a narrower one. Would a bill providing for an advisory referendum on independence be within the current powers of the Scottish Parliament? In other words, can the Scottish Parliament legislate for an independence referendum without the prior agreement of Westminster? Now, as uh, we know, the Court has answered that question in the negative. It has determined that under the Scotland Act 1998, which of course encapsulates the current devolution settlement, Even an advisory referendum asking the question, should Scotland be an independent country, is a matter reserved to the Westminster Parliament. What that means is that without an agreement between the Scottish and UK governments for either a Section 30 order or a UK Act of Parliament to change its powers, the Scottish Parliament cannot legislate for the referendum that the people of Scotland have instructed it to deliver. That is a hard pill for any supporter of independence and surely indeed for any supporter of democracy to swallow. However, as I said back in June when I informed Parliament that the Lord Advocate had agreed to make this reference, it was always the case that in the absence of an agreement with the UK government, the question of the Scottish Parliament's competence in relation to a referendum would end up in the Supreme Court, if not before legislation than certainly after any decision by Parliament to pass a Bill. So while it is, uh, I think, a statement of the obvious, that this is not the outcome I hoped for, it does give us clarity. And having that clarity sooner rather than later allows us now to plan a way forward, however imperfect that might be. Now, I am enough of a realist to know that the immediate questions posed by today's judgment will be for me and the SNP. That is entirely understandable. I'm also long enough in the political tooth to expect some triumphalism on the part of unionist politicians. However, unionists of a more thoughtful disposition, and yes, I do believe they exist, uh, will, I suspect, know that to be misguided. Indeed, they will have been hoping that the court, as the UK government asked it to do, would have declined to answer the substantive question today. That's because they will understand that this judgment raises profound and deeply uncomfortable questions about the basis and the future of the United Kingdom. Until now, it has been understood and accepted by opponents of independence, as well as by its supporters, that the UK is a voluntary partnership of nations, The Royal Commission on Scottish Affairs, back in 1950, said this. Scotland is a nation and voluntarily entered into the union as a partner. That sentiment was echoed nearly 60 years later by the Calman Commission, which described the UK as a voluntary union and partnership. And it was reinforced in 2014 by the Smith Commission, which made clear that nothing in its report prevented Scotland becoming an independent country should the people of Scotland so choose. What today's ruling tells us, however, is that the Scotland Act does not, in fact, uphold that long-held understanding of the basis of the relationships that constitute the UK. On the contrary, it shatters that understanding completely. Let's be absolutely blunt. A so-called partnership in which one partner is denied the right to choose a different future, or even to ask itself the question, cannot be described in any way as voluntary or even a partnership at all. So this ruling confirms that the notion of the UK as a voluntary partnership of nations, if it ever was a reality, is no longer a reality. And that exposes a situation that is quite simply unsustainable. I don't often, as all of you know, quote uh, former Tory Prime Ministers, but I will make an exception today. In the words of former Tory Prime Minister John Major, no nation can be held irrevocably in a union against its will. Indeed, perhaps what today's judgment confirms more than anything else is that the only guarantee for Scotland of equality within the British family of nations is through independence. That fact is now clearer than ever before. The immediate question, of course, is what happens now? Obviously, I'm making these remarks just a couple of hours after the court issued its judgment. While the terms and import of the ruling are clear, it will still be important to absorb and consider the full written judgment properly. I think it's safe to predict that this will not be my last word on the matter. However, my initial views, building on what I said in June, are (coughs) as follows. First of all, it is worth repeating that the court judgment relates to one possible route to Scotland making a choice on independence, a referendum bill in the Scottish Parliament without Westminster agreement. While it is absolutely the case, if the UK was a voluntary partnership, that this would not be needed it does remain open to the UK Government, however belatedly, to accept democracy and reach agreement. I make clear again today, therefore, that I stand ready at any time to reach agreement with the Prime Minister on an adjustment to the devolution settlement that enables a lawful democratic referendum to take place. A process that respects the right of people in Scotland to choose our future in line with the clear mandate of the Scottish Parliament. Let's politicians make the case for and against independence and crucially allows the Scottish people to decide. What I will not do, however, is go cap in hand. My expectation, in the short term at least, is that the UK government will maintain its position of outright democracy denial. That position is, in my view, not just unsustainable, it is also utterly self-defeating The more contempt the Westminster establishment shows for Scottish democracy, the more certain it is that Scotland will vote yes when the choice does come to be made. As for that choice, and for the avoidance of any doubt, I believe today, just as I did yesterday, that a referendum is the best way to determine the issue of independence. The fact is, the SNP is not abandoning the referendum route. Westminster is blocking it. And in that scenario, unless we give up on democracy, and again, for the avoidance of any doubt, I, for one, am simply not prepared to do that, we must and we will find another democratic, lawful and constitutional means by which the Scottish people can express their will. In my view, that can only be an election. The next national election scheduled for Scotland is, of course, the UK general election, making that both the first and the most obvious opportunity to seek what I described back in June as a de facto referendum. As with any proposition in any party manifesto in any election, it is of course up to the people how they respond. No party can dictate the basis on which people cast their votes, but a party can be, indeed should be, crystal clear about the purpose for which it is seeking popular support. In this case for the SNP that will be to establish, just as in a referendum, majority support in Scotland for independence so that we can then achieve independence. That then is the principle However, now that the Supreme Court's ruling is known and a de facto referendum is no longer hypothetical, it is necessary to agree the precise detail of the proposition we intend to put before the country. For example, the form our manifesto will take, the question we will pose, how we will seek to build support above and beyond the SNP and what steps we will take to achieve independence if we win. Now, as you would expect, I have views on all of that. However given the magnitude of these decisions for the SNP, the process of reaching them is one that the party as a whole must be fully and actively involved in. I can therefore confirm that I will be asking our National Executive Committee to convene a special party conference in the new year to discuss and agree the detail of a proposed de facto referendum. In the meantime the SNP will launch and mobilise a major campaign in defence of Scottish democracy. For we should be in no doubt, as of today, democracy is what is at stake. This is no longer just about whether or not Scotland becomes independent, vital though that decision is. It is now more fundamental. It is now about whether or not we even have the basic democratic right to choose our own future. Indeed, from today, the independence movement is as much about democracy as it is about independence. Now, to conclude, before I take questions, of course, I am well aware that there will be a real sense of frustration and disappointment today in both the SNP and the wider movement. I share that. My message, though, is this. While that is understandable, it must be short-lived. And I believe it will be. Indeed, I suspect we will start to see just how short-lived and the strength of the gatherings planned for later today in Edinburgh and other parts of Scotland. The fact is, we have work to do. The case for Scotland becoming independent is more compelling and urgent than ever. Independence is now essential because of what Westminster control means on a day-to-day basis for people in this country now and for future generations. Thanks to Westminster Control, the UK economy is in crisis and we're entering a new age of Tory austerity. Low-income households in the UK are now 20% poorer than their counterparts in France, 21% poorer than in Germany. Let me put that into context. That means the living standards of the lowest-income households in the UK, including Scotland, are £3,800 lower than their French equivalents. Thanks to Westminster Control, we are subject to an immigration and asylum system that neither works in practice nor serves our need to grow our population. It mistreats those who come to our shores looking for sanctuary from oppression and deprives us of the talents and the taxes of those who want to live, work and contribute to our country. Thanks to Westminster Control, even the limited measure of self-government that devolution provides is no longer guaranteed the steady erosion of the powers of our Parliament, the undermining of the Seoul Convention, the imposition of the UK Internal Market Act, and now the retained EU law bill. And if we stick with Westminster control, we are stuck outside the European Union permanently. And that comes at a heavy cost. According to the Office for Budget Responsibility, Brexit will mean in the long run a fall in national income of 4% compared with EU membership. That's equivalent to a cut in public revenues in Scotland of £3.2 billion. All the main Westminster parties now support a Brexit that Scotland did not vote for. And the Brexit conspiracy of silence that exists between them means the UK economy will become weaker and people will pay a heavier and heavier price. That price will be paid in hard economic terms, but also in the narrowing of horizons and loss of opportunities for generations to come. Scotland can do better than this. The example of independent countries across Europe and the world, many with nowhere near the assets and strengths we have, tells us that loudly and clearly. We hear from Westminster that what is needed is stability, but let's be clear, the Westminster system has shown that it is not capable of securing stability. The people relying on food banks are not being offered stability. Those across our country afraid to switch on their heating are not being offered stability. The businesses struggling with Brexit are not being given stability. The young people denied the rights and opportunities of EU membership are not being offered stability. A UK model that delivers low growth and low productivity coupled with sky-high rates of poverty and inequality, does not and never will offer stability. Scotland can do so much better. So yes, of course, this judgment is a disappointment, but it is not one we can or will wallow in. Indeed, getting the judgment now rather than later gives us the clarity we need (coughs) to plot a definite way forward. Fundamentally, our job in the independence movement today is the same as it was yesterday. It is to persuade, persuade a majority of the Scottish people of the fact that independence is the best future for Scotland and ensure a democratic process that allows majority support to be established beyond doubt. That job is not easy, I know. On some days, like today perhaps, it feels more difficult than ever. But nothing, absolutely nothing worth doing, is ever easy there is no doubt whatsoever in my mind that independence will be worth it and my resolve to achieve independence is as strong as it has ever been indeed it is if anything today even stronger prosperity equality internationalism and now without any doubt the very democracy of our nation depends on independence. Thank you all very much indeed. And I will now move to, uh, no doubt, many questions. I will take firstly, Glen Campbell.
0: First Minister, can you spell out what election outcome you would consider a mandate for independence and if you don't get it, is that the end of the independence campaign?
1: Can I first of all say I am one individual, I happen to be leader of the SNP and the the First Minister, but I do not alone uh, decide uh, questions like is the independence campaign over? That is dependent on... The views of people across Scotland. Only the people of Scotland can decide uh, if and when Scotland becomes independent. Um, In terms of uh, election mandates, as I've said, we will set out, as we would be duty-bound, are duty-bound to do before any election, the precise nature of what we are seeking Uh, the people of Scotland to vote for and what we will then do uh, with that mandate should we win. I want the party as a whole to be involved in that which is why I have said we will have a special conference early in uh, the early part of next year. In terms of uh, the detail of your question what I have always said and it is a statement of fact it should not be controversial. Uh, Scotland cannot become independent unless a majority of people in Scotland vote for that. Ideally that is in a referendum uh, but if that is not in a referendum it will be um, in another uh, democratic form but majority support for independence is an essential requirement of scotland or any country becoming independent colin mckay just
0: following on from that does that mean that you would count the votes of supporters of the green party alba at a general election as supports for independence as well as the
1: snp then as i said we will set out the detail of exactly what we will put before people it is right uh, that a few hours after uh, not even a few hours after the judgment uh, we take time to consider uh, these questions and for the snp to uh, have a full democratic process of determining uh, these matters. But votes, uh, I can only speak for the SNP. So what we put forward in an election will be put forward by the SNP. And what we will be asking people to vote for uh, in voting for the SNP is independence. It is the case that indeed I uh, lead a government that has uh, within it another party that supports independence. I'm not going to speak for them uh, today or indeed try to speak for them at all. That is a matter for uh, them. I'm sure we will have discussions about it. Uh, James Cook. First Minister, talking of those other people, what do you say to those supporters of independence who
0: worry that you are leading them into a trap, that people will not participate in a general election as a referendum campaign and that you are in danger of not getting that 50% of the vote and of killing off your dream, their dream, for years to come?
1: Well, I I have campaigned for independence since I was 16 years old. Um, I'm a few years older than that now, as you know, James. I've dedicated a lifetime to the cause of independence. Um, Indeed, that is why I do, sometimes to the frustration of people on my own side, take care around the decisions I make on this because I recognise that I am uh, the temporary leader, which is not an indication of my intent on anything I should say for the avoidance of doubt, Uh, everybody is temporary in these uh, roles, uh, leader of a movement that is much bigger than I am. So I I take great care in the decisions I take and sometimes that uh, leads people to think that I'm going too slowly or being too deliberative about these decisions. I make no apology for that. I also take decisions in that way, because independence is not just about the SNP or the independence movement, it is about the future of of the country. On the question though, people worry that we don't get 50%, if we can't win 50% of the Scottish population's support for independence, we can't be independent. That applies in a referendum, and it would apply in a de facto referendum. That is an essential prerequisite of becoming independent. So anybody who says, oh, we can't do this because we might not win, well, if we can't win, we don't deserve to be Independent, and I can't uh, imagine that anybody doesn't grasp that central uh, basic fact of democracy. Seeking to establish that opinion through an election is not my preferred option. If it was my preferred option, I wouldn't have spent so much time and will continue to try to secure an agreed referendum. Uh, But what I'm not prepared to do is to allow Scottish democracy to be a prisoner of Westminster, which effectively means Scottish democracy doesn't exist. Uh, And therefore, I'm going to seek to find a way in which the people of Scotland can express their view, whatever that view turns out to be. I will argue the case for that view to be in favour of independence. And if we win, then Scotland becomes independent. But if we don't, we don't. And that is just the basic fact that the independence movement has to and does understand that it is our duty to make and win the case for independence. When does that temporary period end that you mentioned? Uh, Not for a long time, James, you'll be glad to know. (laughs) <laughs> I've lost my, my order here. Who wants to go next? No, that's that's a silly question. Connor Gillis from Sky. Uh,
0: First Minister, as you you said there, if you don't get 50% of that uh, vote in an independence referendum, then there will be no independence. If some uh, on your own side, within your own party, are not convinced that you will get over the 50% threshold, this is a massive gamble. This is a huge risk, isn't it?
1: I'm going to try to put this simply. Imagine I was standing here right now in the scenario of the Supreme Court having made the opposite decision and said a referendum... Is within the competence of the Scottish Parliament. Um, I'd be standing here right now, and I would rather be in this position, but I'm not, but I would be standing here right now saying I'm about to introduce legislation for a referendum in October next year. And what I would be accepting in doing that is that in order to win independence, we would have to win more than 50% of the vote in a referendum. And you'd be saying to me, it's a risk. Democracy is always a risk if you want to look at it like that, because it depends on persuading people of the point of view you're putting forward. I happen to have, you know, substantial, very substantial and growing confidence in the case for independence. And if we don't have that confidence, then we shouldn't put it forward. I do have that confidence. And I believe the independence movement, of which the SNP is not the only part, but the substantial part, shares that confidence. But it is a fundamental rule of democracy that you have to win support for the case you put forward. And I don't fear that at all. Uh, on the contrary, I relish that, because I think the case for independence it grows more powerful and compelling by the day. And I, I'm going to try, as I hope you will accept I always do, to take everybody who wants to ask a question. Peter McMahon from ITV Border.
0: First Minister, the reason why, or one of the reasons why the Supreme Court rejected the, the legal argument that uh, the Scottish Parliament would have power to hold a referendum was because it accepted that referendums have an impact. Brexit would be won if there were an an independence referendum. It effectively accepted that if you won a legal referendum, then Scotland would have the right to become independent. There's no such thing when it comes to a de facto referendum. You accepted yourself that the voters might decide... You can't dictate what's in a de facto referendum. The voters might decide that independence is a lower priority than, say, the cost of living crisis. So how do you answer
1: that? that? Well, how do I answer that, Peter? If I was standing here saying, yeah, I'm not interested in a referendum, that's not my preferred option, I want to take it to an election, that's my preference. And your argument would be, it would have some force. You're not making an argument, you're putting a question to me, but that argument would have some force. But that's not the position we are in. I want to have a referendum. I want to have a referendum that is lawful, democratic (coughs) and constitutional. That is the best way of... Asking and having answered the questions does Scotland, want to be independent. I'm not resiling from that, but that is being blocked. The Supreme Court has said I don't have the power. The Scottish government doesn't have the power within the current devolution settlement to do that without the consent of Westminster. And at this stage, Westminster won't give its consent. So I, in that scenario, I have a choice. I either say games a bogey on Scottish democracy, and we'll just give up on Scottish democracy. Um, And frankly, if I ever wake up in the morning thinking that's the right answer, that is the time I will and rightly decide to exit the stage uh, because nobody in a position like mine should ever give up on democracy. Uh, So if I'm not prepared to do that, and I am not prepared to do that, then the only alternative is to say, how do we test this question? And an election is the way to do that. Now, you're absolutely right, but this doesn't just apply here, this applies in every election and every issue. Parties put forward their manifesto and their proposition and they ask people to vote for it. And people decide whether or not they vote for it. That's what the SNP will do. We will ask people to vote for the SNP uh, to show their support for independence. And people will make up their mind. Our job is to convince people both of the importance of that choice being made and of the importance of the answer to that question being one that supports independence. Uh, but the only alternative to that in this scenario is just to decide Scottish democracy doesn't matter. And any First Minister of this country who ever did that would not be fit to hold the office. Peter Smith.
0: Thank you very much, First Minister. I know that the finer detail of this de facto referendum will be ironed out, but we do know that if you were to hold an independence referendum, 16 and 17 year olds could vote. And by and large, they're big supporters of independence. In a general election, they can't. So that's a quite a big chunk of the vote that you lose right away. In a de facto referendum, if you do lose, and let's be clear, you've never managed to secure more than 50% of the vote in an election before, there will be a legitimate case to say you had your referendum, you lost, let's move on. If you win, I can't see how it takes you any closer to actually having independence. So have you actually been forced into playing what is a pretty weak hand?
1: Did you listen to my last answer? Well,
0: I did, and I'm it's trying not, to... This,
1: this is not my
0: preferred uh, Exactly, so, hence, I wonder if you listened to my question, first. Well, it if, was, if, have you been, have forced been forced into playing a weak hand?
1: Has Westminster decided to try to block Scottish democracy?
0: By the Supreme uh, Court, have you been forced well, into playing Supreme, a weak hand? The
1: Supreme Court has interpreted a, a Westminster law that seems to say Scottish democracy on this question is blocked. So is it a stronger, not for me, Per se, is it a stronger position for Scotland overall to have democracy accepted and to have a referendum for which there is a majority? If we have a situation where the mandate, the majority in the Scottish Parliament to have a referendum is not respected and blocked, then I come back to this essential, I either give up on Scottish democracy or find another route. Is that route perfect? No. If it was perfect, it would be my... Uh, First preference, the fact that it's not, shows that it's not perfect. But I tell you something, it's better than just deciding Scottish democracy isn't worth anything and that people don't have a say. So we will uh, work through the hand that has been dealt to us. We will work with that because we have no other choice. But I will do that in a way that has at its core a determination to respect and have respected Scottish democracy and allow people to have their say. First Minister, it's essentially, taking, have you scuppered the chances
0: by making I, this move?
1: The issue here is not me. I am not the barrier to a referendum. If there's a barrier to a referendum, it is the law and the attitude of the Westminster government. Um, on the question, you know, would things have been fine if we just hadn't asked the Supreme Court, there was never any route, and I've I said this in June I've said it again today, because of the let's put it mildly, the difference of opinion prior to today on this question, could the Scottish Parliament legislate without Westminster consent? There was never any route to a referendum on that basis that didn't run through the Supreme Court. Either we got the clarity now, or it would have gone to the Supreme Court after legislation and months down the line, we'd be standing here confronting this same issue. So that, that part of the process in this scenario is unavoidable. If there is a positive out of uh, today, it means we've got that clarity sooner rather than later, which now allows us to plan the way forward, as I say, however imperfect that way forward might be because the referendum route remains the best option. uh, But if it's blocked, we have to look for an alternative. Uh, Kieran Jenkins.
0: First Minister, you have always said that a referendum must be lawful and legitimate. Do you now level with the Scottish people and accept that the de facto referendum you were proposing would not be lawful because the Supreme Court have ruled on legality and would not be legitimate because the opposing side do not give their consent?
1: No, but if if you've listened to everything I've said, a referendum is my preferred option for, for all the reasons I've set out. But if a referendum is blocked, there has to be another way for the Scottish people to have their say, make their voice heard and make that decision. There is a mandate for that. An election cannot in any sense be described as unlawful. An election is An election that is a referendum
0: lawful. could be first minister well, because you've asked the question about the lawfulness and you've had your answer. So my question is very simple. It comes back. Do you accept that a de facto referendum would not be lawful or legitimate? No, I don't
1: asking people a question in a, an election is entirely lawful and legitimate.
0: Well not when it has an outcome which is contrary to the normal outcome of an election. Well, you would be using it as a negotiating mandate to, to negotiate independence.
1: The Scottish people will have made their view known on a question, and if the answer to that question is the one that I have asked for, then we will take that forward. Is that the best way of resolving this question? No. Uh, I think it is legitimate in an election to ask people a question. If you're asking me, I have always said, pre-2014, through 2014, since 2014, a referendum is the best way of asking and answering a constitutional question... But if a referendum is blocked, then there has to be an alternative, because the only alternative to that is Scottish democracy has no way of expressing itself. And as I've said before, uh, that is not an outcome that I'm prepared to countenance. Alan Jenkins.
0: First Minister, what do you say to our viewers watching this? We are more concerned about the cost of living crisis right now, and we'll hope this ruling means you stop focusing on another referendum.
1: Um, I think a lot of people across Scotland uh, who are concerned about the cost of living crisis will be disappointed by this ruling because they see independence as the not just the best but the only way to free Scotland from the Westminster control that has put our economy again into crisis that has opened the door to another round of Tory austerity that is making people, as I said in my opening remarks making people poorer than counterparts across much of Europe and that has left us if we don't become independent permanently outside the European Union which is one of the things that is causing uh, the decline that we're currently seeing in the UK economy so independence and issues like the cost of living crisis they are not separate from each other they are inextricably linked independence is not an abstract notion independence is about how we build the best country for people who live here how we equip ourselves to build the best economy and the best country. so having the ability to choose a better way forward is central to how we ensure that we have an economy that delivers for people not one that plunges uh, more and more people into poverty and holds the potential of our country back. Uh, Gina Davidson from Global. Thanks first minister. Sorry just going back to what Kieran was asking you in terms of the legitimacy of using a general election we, we know you want a referendum we know that when you have a referendum both sides agree to how that will be held and what the they will stick to the outcome of that but general election is, is entirely different i mean you cannot um believe that the scottish conservatives or scottish labor are going to say yeah okay this this is what this election is going to be about if i allowed my decisions to be uh, influenced by what scottish labor and what and the scottish conservatives think i would uh, i and, and the snp and probably scotland would not be would be in a very different uh, position look this comes down to a very very simple choice I'm not standing here saying this is the scenario I I want us to be in. I want to be in a scenario where whether people support independence or oppose independence, we have an acceptance of the democratic right of people in Scotland to choose based on the, the mandate that the Scottish Parliament and Scottish Government has. But I'm not in that scenario. That's not my fault. It's not the SNP's fault. It's the fault of those who want to block democracy. So therefore, we need to find a way of democracy prevailing. And that is through an an election. An election cannot be described. Is it the best way of deciding a constitutional question? I think I've made my view on that clear. But it may well be in the continued absence of agreement from Westminster. It may be the only way. And it can't. No election can be described as unlawful or illegitimate or not democratic. So that is the way that is open to us right now. And the only alternative to that, as things stand right now, is accepting there is no way for the Scottish people to have its democratic wishes heard and respected. And as I've said many times already, that's not a position I am prepared to accept.
0: If you do fight the next general election on the single issue of independence and the pro-independence parties don't win 50% plus one, will you resign as First Minister? And secondly, You've already earmarked funds, I think, for Indiref 2 in one of your budgets. What will happen to that money now, given the Supreme Court's decision?
1: Uh, Well, the SNP uh, raises funds to progress the uh, cause of independence, and we will continue to do that. Um, That's always been the case and and always will be the case. On your uh, first question, um, look, I... I'm determined as far as I can and for as long as I am able to progress the cause of independence and to give the people of Scotland the opportunity uh, for independence. Um, I will do the job as leader of the SNP and uh, for as long as my party... It wants me to do that, and as First Minister of the country, for as long as the country uh, wants me to do that, and I will simply get on uh, with that job, which has many different aspects to it. But for the purposes of today, that includes uh, doing everything I can to give people of Scotland the choice over independence. The
0: first, thing, the first question is about taxpayers, money, not uh, party money. So, oh,
1: sorry, um, cash is going to be earmarked for DDF2. What happens to that? Well, I would still hope that we will, uh, the Indirect too, of course. If the Supreme Court had gone the other way, it would have been in next financial year, um, and we will shortly set out our budget for the next financial year. As I said earlier on, while I'm being realistic about the short term, I still hope that we will uh, have a UK government that accepts democracy, and we will have an agreed referendum. But we'll take uh, decisions around our budget in the normal way. Libby Brooks from the Guardian thanks first Minister you You were saying you're not going to go cap in hand to the UK government now, but say we have this de facto referendum and it does give you a mandate to as you would see it, open negotiations on independence how How does that change that position well that 's not going cap in hand that is taking a clear decision of the Scottish people and uh, expecting the UK government to uh, accept democracy um, Now you, you would rightly say they should be doing that already in terms of the mandate. For independence. What I mean by that is the UK government know uh, my position on a referendum and it's not just my position, it's the position of the Scottish Parliament uh, backed uh, by the Scottish people and you know, I'm not going to continue to ask for a Section 30 order. That does not mean I don't stand ready to agree one any time the UK government, uh, there is a new Prime Minister, perhaps he'll uh, strike a more democratic uh, tone and I'm sure time will tell. Uh, Abby Garton from The National. Hi there. Hi. Um, just a kind of double question here quickly. So obviously in the judgment for the Supreme Court they said that you couldn't agree with the SNP's
0: submission about self-determination so I was just looking to see if you would respond to that and secondly there's obviously a lot of rallies going on around in Scotland this evening with um, SNP supporters and activists so I wondered what your message to them would be.
1: Look I've got the uh, full written judgment of the court which I have read uh, in uh, sort of very quickly before coming here. Obviously, I'll look at the full written judgment in in more detail. Obviously, I heard what Lord Reid said this morning in relation to that. Uh, Self-determination is an accepted part uh, of international law, I think, and this is where I need to study the the written judgment he was referring to, that the principles around interpretations of statute, but I, I think and hope that even the opponents of Scottish independence accept uh, the principle of self determination. Um, to people uh, gathering, peacefully across Scotland today. Um, I wish them well. I know there will be a gathering outside uh, the Scottish Parliament, so maybe I'll get the opportunity to say hello to uh, some of them later later on. Um, This is now as much a democracy movement as an independence movement. It is about Scotland's right to choose our own future, and um, I know that there will be many people who want to make their voice heard on that uh, today, and I think we will see The real spirit of the independence movement, um, not just in these gatherings today, I'm sure we will see it there, uh, but in the days, weeks and months to come. Kieran Andrews from The Times.
0: Thanks, First Minister. Just coming back to Paul's point, um, the Scottish Government is currently producing policy papers for an independent Scotland that are taxpayer-funded, civil service developed. How much will they feed into the SNP's vision uh, for a general election de facto referendum?
1: Well, the SNP's election campaign will be for the SNP and that's always uh, the case. But of course, as I said here, it is still, you know, however realistic we may be in the short term, it is still our view that the UK government's position is not sustainable in the long term and we will continue uh, to hope uh, that we will see an agreed referendum and the Scottish government will continue to prepare as we have been doing uh, for that, as of course we are elected uh, with a clear mandate to do. Uh, Neil Poren from the PA.
0: Thanks, First Minister. How did you decide that a de facto general election was the way forward? Um, I know that one of your MPs, Angus McNeil, feels that a de facto Holyrood uh, referendum would be a better option.
1: Uh, the next scheduled election in Scotland uh, as national election, uh, as is the case across the UK, is the next UK general election. Obviously, we don't know exactly what date uh, that will be uh, I suspect for reasons not related to independence, it is likely to uh, be uh, towards the end of 2024, um, not much before that. Um, So that's the, the next and I think the best opportunity uh, to, to put this case, given that we had hoped to have an independence referendum next October. Uh, look, I want the SNP to be fully involved in the decision-making around this. This is a big uh, decision to decide the way forward. I have you know strong views on these matters, but I lead a democratic party um, and I want the party to have the opportunity this special conference I spoke about, but in the run-up to that in branches and constituencies and regional organisations across the country. So any member, whether they're an elected member or not, has the opportunity to put forward uh, ideas and suggestions. Tom Gordon from the Herald.
0: Thanks, First Minister. Um, earlier on, when you were referring to a de facto referendum, you said, if we win, then Scotland becomes independent. But that's not something you can guarantee, is it? You don't know what the position of the UK government will be, you don't know, in fact, who the Prime Minister would be
1: after the next general election. So how can you make sweeping statements like that? Forgive me, Tom, I think I was responding to a question about giving up on democracy versus having... uh, No, actually, I was responding to a question about needing 50% to win independence. So if I used shorthand... Look, as was argued in the Supreme Court in the the context of this reference, a, a referendum in UK constitutional practice is is advisory. Had we won the Yes campaign, had won the referendum in 2014, there would have been a process of negotiation that came after that. The same will be true if uh, we go down the, uh, as we look likely to do, uh, the de facto referendum route. (coughs) I accept there is always a process of negotiation that comes after that. But I also accept, or or I I hold to the belief uh, that somewhere along the line, Scottish democracy has to count for something. And if people express in a referendum or de facto referendum, a clear majority view for independence, then whoever the prime minister is, uh, even Margaret Thatcher uh, used to uh, accept that if people in Scotland voted for independence, Scotland would become independent. Alistair Grant from the Scotsman.
0: Hi there, thanks very much. Um, Just on the kind of similar theme, I mean, what's to stop the UK government simply refusing to come to (laughs) the negotiating table? I mean, surely nothing is. Do you support calls, I think Alex Salmond among others has called for this, for a, a civic campaign of protests and action across Scotland and what form do you think that should take? Thanks.
1: By definition civic campaigns shouldn't take their instructions from uh, politicians uh, but I, you know, as I've said I think there is a real need now for a campaign to uh, protect and, and, and promote Scottish democracy. I, you know, Any campaign that had my support or involvement in any way, shape or form would be peaceful, um, democratic uh, and uh, represent the best of of civic society. I think you'll start to see... Uh, that takes shape this afternoon in uh, places across the country, including at the the Scottish Parliament. And I think that is something that, yes, uh, should not only be encouraged, uh, but is necessary now as we not just uh, debate independence, but make sure that we are putting Scottish democracy uh, absolutely at the forefront. In terms of your your first question, you know, it is always possible for you guys, and you will do it, you, you do it regularly and you will continue to do it as is, I accept ask me what do you do if Westminster continues to deny democracy and you know sooner or later that's the a question that really has to be pinned not on me but on Westminster politicians why is it that we just sit here and accept that I'm the one that has to answer the questions about what happens if Westminster continues to deny democracy and um, I don't know if any Westminster politician is doing a uh, a press conference of this nature uh, today, any uh, UK government politician, but if they are, I hope that's a question that will be asked of them uh, as firmly and as resolutely and as regularly as it is understandably being asked of me. That's the problem we face here, is a Westminster denial of democracy. And that is the problem uh, that you know I have to, with my party and the movement I'm proud to be a part of, find a way of overcoming. Chris Green from The Eye.
0: Thanks, First Minister. On the de facto um, referendum suggestion, um, would you consider perhaps producing a, a one-line manifesto, a one-paragraph manifesto that would basically mean that there was no confusion over what voters were, were backing when they voted for the SNP?
1: So, I, I think without pre um, you know, sort of preempting what I said in, in my remarks, I want the SNP to be fully involved in the decision-making around this. I think, in a de facto, just as in a referendum, there has to be a clear question. Uh, I think the same is true in what I am proposing. There has to be a clear question that we are asking people to vote for. That said, I, I think you as in a, a referendum we would you know have uh, a manifesto white paper that puts the arguments for independence and answers the questions that, that people have. So it may be a combination of the two and I'm getting ahead of the process I've set out here, but I absolutely uh, take the view that there would have to be crystal clarity about what people were being asked to vote for. Simon Johnson from The Telegraph.
0: Thank you, First Minister. Um, I asked Rishi Sunak when I interviewed him in the summer about the de facto referendum idea, and he said that, uh, to quote, trying to hijack a general election for an issue like that wouldn't be right and wouldn't be constitutional. Is it fair to say that this plan relies on a change of government and Sir Keir Starmer becoming prime minister? And secondly, just following up on Paul's question about resignations, has the precedent been set uh, Alex Salmon quit after 20, losing in 2014. David Cameron quit after losing in 2016. You'd have to go, wouldn't you, if you didn't get to uh, the threshold that you wanted?
1: I'm going Thanks. to come on to that, bit, that that one in a second. Uh, at this point, my advisors in the room will be stealing themselves for what I'm about to say. Um, the, your first question about Rishi Sunak there. Well, firstly, this plan doesn't depend at all on who is prime minister. That, the beauty of it And it's not my preferred plan, but the strength of it is it doesn't depend on who is prime minister. It's about what the SNP decides to put to the people in an election. Uh, But if Rishi Sunak, uh, forgive me, I didn't uh, hear that interview at the time. But if that's Rishi's uh, view, then I've got the perfect solution for him. If he doesn't think uh, an election is the way to resolve this issue, let's have an agreed referendum. Then he can argue against independence. He can argue for the continuation of the union. I will argue for independence and we will let the Scottish people decide. So it's a, a perfect solution. Um, on the, the question of my position, you know, I lead the SNP, I, I lead the Scottish Government right now. It's a job I enjoy. It has uh, many tough days attached to it, as uh, will be the case for anybody in, in this position. Uh, I do that at uh, the will of my party and, of course, the electorate uh, of Scotland. It's a job I intend to continue to do uh, for Uh, quite some time to come. But it's not that long ago that you were all predicting my imminent resignation. And, you know, I think if I'd listened to your predictions a few months ago, I wouldn't be standing here right now. You're now predicting uh, that I'm going to still be first minister in 2024 at the end of it and have a de facto referendum. And then you'll be asking me. So, look, I, I am in this job. I... Uh, enjoy this job. It's a massive responsibility and I intend to continue to do this job. It involves uh, a lot of different responsibilities. The one we're talking about today is to uphold Scottish democracy and give the people of Scotland the right to have their say on independence and that is one uh, that I'm determined to pursue and do everything in my power to persuade the Scottish people to vote for independence. Rury Gilmer from Holyrood magazine.
0: Thanks First Minister. If you lose a de facto referendum, could you really a second one in, a, in another election?
1: Look, without going back on what I said earlier on, even though I, I don't plan to uh, demit office any time soon, um, I'm not going to be First Minister forever and ever and ever, OK? can we We can probably agree on that. I can't tie the hands of governments and First Ministers that come after me, and nor do I have the right solely to decide when Scotland can stop talking about or wanting to be or deciding to be independent. Um, that's not for any one politician to do. It's, it's, no politician gets to single-handedly decide the future of a country. That's why a referendum is actually so important, because it is about the Scottish people making that decision. So uh, I will focus on seeking to do what I can to give people in Scotland that choice. I would like that to be in a referendum, an agreed referendum as in twenty fourteen. But if not, I will focus on giving them that choice in another lawful, constitutional and democratic way. Well can you Meanda from the F T. Good
0: afternoon, First Minister. Sorry if it sounds a bit like repetition, but well, as you said, I think most people have understood that this ultimately is a political rather than a legal question. So is it fair to say I mean you basically look back to square one because even if you do win that election in 2024 on that single question, there isn't really a legal way to give it a legal force, is it, for, for, for implementation?
1: And um, I, I would agree broadly with your, your first uh, comment there that while we're talking here today about the ruling of a, a court, the highest court in the land, fundamentally, of course, these are political decisions uh, for governments and, and ultimately for the people of Scotland. But, you know, I do hold to, and I refuse, as long as there is breath in my body, I refuse to give up on the basic principle of democracy. That sooner or later, if the Scottish people keep expressing their view uh, for the right to choose, and then if the Scottish people express a clear view, and I'll go back to the answer I gave that, of course, needs to be clarity on what the Scottish people are being asked. But if there is then a clear view that the Scottish people want to be independent. Uh, then that needs to be accepted. You cannot uh, stand in the way of the will of a majority of the people of any country, including Scotland, to be independent. As I say, even, even Margaret Thatcher accepted that. The fact that uh, Tory and, possibly even more sadly in some ways, Labour politicians have departed so far from that basic principle of democracy Um, I think speaks volumes about the the direction (coughs) of travel of Westminster politics. But I, uh, for one, uh, will continue to hold to that important principle. Rachel Watson from The Sun. Thank you, First Minister. Um, Nearly all schools in Scotland are going to close tomorrow with teachers striking. Can you tell us if you're doing anything personally today to intervene and try and stop that? And with NHS strikes, um, given that you're here today talking about independence and a potential referendum? Uh, thanks, Rachel. I mean, firstly, I didn't pick the date of the Supreme Court uh, judgment. That was the Supreme Court's decision. That's not a criticism, incidentally. So I'm here today because I think you would all have uh, had something to say if I hadn't come here to answer your questions on, on this issue. Um, there was uh, a renewed offer made uh, to Scottish uh, teachers uh, yesterday. Um, I know that has been responded to. There is uh, an offer on the table for Scottish teachers, and I... Uh, applaud the work our teaching profession uh, do. Nobody wants to see industrial action. The offer that is on the table for uh, the teaching profession would uh, result in, since 2018, a pay rise for teachers of over 20%. In the current climate, particularly the financial constraints of the Scottish Government, I think that is a fair and reasonable offer and hope it is one that the teaching profession uh, will give due consideration to. Uh, NHS pay discussions are uh, ongoing. I uh, left St Andrew's House uh, well after uh, 10 o'clock last night, having uh, been involved in uh, these discussions. Personally, I won't say any more about the detail of them because they are ongoing, but I you know, hope uh, we will see a positive resolution there too. Um, I, I have every sympathy with public sector workers right now. We are in a time of sky-high inflation, and that is why we are seeking as a scottish government to make offers that are as fair uh, and reasonable as possible uh, and continue uh, for as long as we can reasonable negotiations to get to to that outcome uh, by contrast you know we have at the moment an offer on the table for the nhs that is uh, on average 7% uh, there's a, an offer of less than 5% has been posed on uh, nhs workers south of the border we are seeking negotiations with teachers the offer of five percent has been imposed on the teaching profession south of the border so we are demonstrating that desire to do right by public sector workers but we are working within not just a fixed but a heavily constrained budget and that of course imposes limits on what we're able to do michael blackley from the daily mail
0: thank you first minister um can you be open and transparent with scottish taxpayers and tell them how much of their money has been used on this Supreme Court case. Um, And given that your own Lord Advocate said quite early in the process that uh, she didn't have the necessary degree of confidence that a referendum without Westminster consent would be within the powers of the Scottish Parliament, how do you respond to the charge that you have wasted taxpayers' money on this case?
1: Well, I refute it, absolutely. On the first question, no, I can't do that today because that process is uh, not been completed, but as we always do, uh, that's information that will be published and fully uh, open and transparent. On the second point, the, the core uh, issue here, which the Lord Advocate, uh, and, you know, let me take the opportunity to thank the Lord Advocate for making this reference, and while it's not the outcome I wanted, it gives us clarity sooner rather than later. But she very well uh, presented uh, the issue that necessitated the reference. Uh, because of the uncertainty uh, that existed in terms of the scope and the scale of the, the powers of the Scottish Parliament, it was not possible definitively to say either that it was within or out with the competence of the Scottish Parliament. That is entirely uh, the reason for asking for a definitive judicial determination. And in fact, the UK government tried to persuade the court not to ask that, to say that they didn't have the jurisdiction. And I thought Lord Reed was pretty firm that it was something of national importance uh, that the court should and did uh, rule on. So in that sense, uh, the decision of the Lord Advocate, because it was her decision, albeit at my request, uh, the decision of the Lord Advocate to seek uh, this ruling in the sense of getting clarity has absolutely been vindicated. Justin Bowie from DC Thompson.
0: Thanks, First Minister. Um, obviously, you want to take a de facto referendum as a green light to begin independence negotiations. But if you were to succeed in a de facto referendum, would you take a legal referendum as a compromise if the UK government were to offer that? And one other question. Um, how would the kind of actual election kind of process go in terms of TV interviews and debates? Would you refuse to discuss any other issue besides independence? Or would you still kind of talk about education and schools and any other issue that might come up?
1: Independence is about hospitals and schools and the cost of living and the economy, so uh, those issues will be central to the argument for Scotland becoming independent. On the first question, uh, forgive me, Justin, if I'm understanding your question right, I don't see an agreement to have a, a referendum if that is possible to reach as a compromise. I think that's the best option. I said I stand ready to reach an agreement with the UK government on the terms of a referendum at any time, and that would be the best way of proceeding but if that continues to be blocked then asking people the question in an election becomes uh, the only option uh, that is available other uh, than giving up in democracy which I think you've probably got the message by now I'm not keen on doing. Um, I think I have taken everybody who was on my list but if I've missed anybody can you no in that case uh, thank you all very much for your attendance. Thanks for listening. We have a new episode out
0: every Friday. And if you miss any, catch up on our website, podcasts.independencelive.net. Bye now.